the Grand Dame Podcast, where we meet incredible women who share their stories of life in the world of wine. My name is Heather Durham-Burley, aka the Happy Wine Lady, and today we'll be chatting with Courtney Casey. Courtney is the co-founder of Michigan by the Bottle Tasting Rooms in Southeast Michigan. Her passion for wine brought her to go against the grain and open wine bars featuring her native state's wine. The three tasting rooms now thrive as a home for fellow Michigan wine lovers, building community, education, and appreciation to the wines of her beloved state. So a big welcome to Courtney Casey. And I want to start by asking, where did Michigan by the Bottle start? Like, how did you come up with the idea and um, what like inspired this passion of yours and what made you just go for it? Well, I don't know if you want me to go back to like the, the original history because brevity is definitely not my strong suit, but, um, but we actually started as a blog and okay. it grew up that. So um, we started a blog in 2009 that was called michiganbythebottle.com and it still exists today. And the goal was to promote the entire Michigan wine industry. And, um, you know, we just did it because we really had fallen in love with visiting the Michigan wineries. And uh, we found there were a lot of wineries that at that time didn't have a very robust web presence or, um, you know, there were a lot of people in our area down in Metro Detroit that were aware of Traverse City, but they weren't aware of Southwest Michigan or other regions. And so, um, and some of them were only familiar with the biggest wineries in Traverse City. So our goal was to help promote the wineries just because we love visiting so much. And we would do videos and articles and interviews with the winemakers. And we started to really get to know everybody in the industry. And the more we knew people in the industry and, and really got to know them, the more we fell in love with it. And we would run into like the same people over and over at festivals and stuff when we were doing videos. And they'd be like, I want your job. You just get to drink wine all day. And at the time, my husband was in banking and I was a newspaper reporter. And I was like, this is not my real job. Like they all thought I was getting rich off of this blog where we had like two advertisers mm. and I was spending so much money on wine. I, I definitely <laughs> wasn't making any money on this website. So it was just for fun and I loved it and, and I still do. But um, so after enough people asked us like, oh, how do I get your job? I'm like thinking, how do I, how do I get this job? That yeah. they think I so uh, we started talking about it and um, that's how the idea for the tasting room came about. So that was, that's actually the short version, even though it didn't sound like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we started that's talking good. about how can we, uh, how can we actually, uh, make this our, our full-time jobs because this is every time we're at a wine event or a winery, we feel like this is where we're meant to be. Mm -hmm. um, so we started talking and we came up with the idea of partnering with smaller uh, Michigan-based wineries from all over the state. So like a select handful mm -hmm. to be an offsite tasting room for multiple wineries. So in 2012, we opened our original location in Shelby Township and we were the first Offsite tasting room for multiple unaffiliated wineries. So it was. It was so what year? What year was that that you opened the Shelby Township one? That was uh, December 2012. 2012. That we opened that. Yeah, and we actually opened the day after Christmas. There are all kinds of construction delays and licensing delays. The state wasn't even sure if they were going to let us do it. They're like, we don't even know if this is legal, and so yeah. we were waiting for like a year to get this license, and they finally like got sick of us and gave us the license. Oh, that's awesome. so, persistence. <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, they, they were just they just wanted us to go away. I think it's right. Uh. Um, and so we opened the day after Christmas because that's just how the construction, you know, fell. And, and so many people came in and were like, you know, you really should have opened before Christmas because you missed the whole holiday season. And I just, it just makes me laugh. 
anytime a small business opens, just go ahead and assume that they wanted to open six to 12 months before yeah. or whatever. <laughs> good, good <laughs> insight for sure. Yes. I'm sure you're like, thank you. I wish we could. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. We're like, yes, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay. So that, that was 2012. So you started the yes. blog in 2009 and yep. just started mm-hmm. going to all these tasting rooms. Um, yep. So what, what was it that made you fall in love with Michigan wine per se? You know, I, I can't pinpoint the exact moment that I fell in love with Michigan wine, but I remember discovering Michigan wine when I was, I had just turned 21 and I would go up to um, Traverse City every year since I was a baby with my parents mm-hmm. during the summer. Um, and their friends were into wine and my parents are not huge wine people. So they're a little baffled by this, this whole thing. Um, they're getting into it more, but they're still kind of like, okay, bring them on board. From? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so their friends were really into wine. And I remember them saying like, let's go to this winery Chateau Chantel. And I went with them and I was like, and it's not because of anything Chateau Chantel did. Cause I love Chateau Chantel. But I, at the time I was just, I didn't know anything about wine. And I'm like, Oh my God, wine is so snobby. Like wine is for rich people. Wine is like for snobs. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm getting dragged along to this. And then I actually went and I was like, wow, this is, Kind of, this is pretty cool, you know? Uh, and then when I met my husband um, in 2004, we started going to wineries and he had been to El Mabi um, okay. and I had never been. And he's like, it's all sparkling wine. And I said, I, it makes me laugh thinking about this now, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm going to like sparkling wine. It just, it just doesn't really sound like something that I'm going to like. Oh, it, now, if you know me at all now, I am the biggest sparkling wine fan ever. Bubblehead. I, I total bubblehead. <laughs> I love sparkling wine from the driest to the sweetest to the in between. I love all sparkling wine. So needless to say, I fell in love with El Mabi as well. Mm-hmm. And it just started They're snowballing great. from there. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm a total yeah. bubblehead too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We started going to Southwest Michigan and everything. And I think that that was really what um, prompted, I think, the the website to get underway partially was that uh, we, we saw so many amazing wineries in Southwest Michigan that we had never heard of that we kind of just stumbled across, including Domain Berrien, which is one of my favorites mm-hmm. and one of our partner wineries. And um, it was around that time that we decided to start doing the website. And there were so many of our friends that were like, wait, what? There's wineries in Southwest Michigan? And we're like, yeah, it's amazing down there. So mm-hmm. we really want to get it out. Plus, I don't know if you know of the, um, there's a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh yeah. Gary. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, he's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So my husband was like, he wanted to be the next Gary Vaynerchuk. So that's kind oh, of why we, how we started. <laughs> so, so, you know, it was all that kind of rolled into one content, husband, content, content yes. everywhere. Yeah. And, and so the first video we ever did was just my husband and, um, he, he was really nervous and it was kind of awkward. And, and after that, I was like, you know, I think it would be better if it was both of us, you know, like, cause this is, this is kind of awkward just listening to you talk about wine and there's no interplay. And that's kind of how we got to like, now we, we do all kinds of stuff together where we kind of play off each other. And I don't know, people are used to seeing us do goofy stuff together because <laughs> we're just perfect. <laughs> cause you probably both have your strengths and like, yeah, you can play off each other and there's no, yeah. like, that's awesome. Well, it's so cool to have a problem. And we like together. to make fun of each other. Yeah. <laughs> Always good. When you're married, you got to yeah. have that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> essential. (laughs) Awesome. So then the website started going and you started building a following and people Mm -hmm. were like, what, what happens next? Like, did you just like, Oh, let's do the tasting room now. Like let's change our jobs. Epiphany. Yeah. It was was crazy. Cause we, we started the Facebook page and the website and we're like, Oh, maybe we'll get some people that like this. And we really found that there was this untapped 
community of Michigan wine lovers out there mm -hmm. that had never been united in a really meaningful way where they could all communicate with each other. You know, they may, were maybe fans of the individual Facebook pages of the wineries or whatever, but they never had been able to really connect with each other. And so I think that was the coolest thing. I mean, this never, this, yeah. none of this could ever happen if not for Facebook, um, <laughs> because it was just, we, we were able to bring all these people together and then they would invite their friends and they would invite their friends. And, you know, we met so many people who already loved Michigan wine and had no one to talk to about it. And then we also found a lot of people who would get sucked into it and think like they were like I had Michigan wine 10 years ago and all it is is sweet whites and we'd be like no stop okay we got to talk about this and yeah. we would we would convince these people to try Michigan wines now and um and we would get all these new people to try Michigan wines and so it was really it was like a challenge whenever anybody was like well Michigan can't make reds we're like okay here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to, go to this winery, try this. You're going to go to this winery, try this, you know? So, so the more we talked about it and we decided to do this and it was a really hard decision because I'm definitely an overthinker mm -hmm. and, um, I'm very anxious person. Yeah. So, uh, my husband is kind of like, whatever. Like, I think that's why we work is because my husband is very even keeled. He doesn't get really mad about things. He doesn't get like super excited about things. Like not in a, like bad way, but he just doesn't, he's just very calm. Yeah. And I am not very I, linear. Yes. I get I'm, that. A, I'm a hothead. <laughs> I, I cry. I, you know, I get mad about things. I get excited. I get, you know, I'm just, I'm all the extremes. Um, so I was like, I don't know, this just, this seems really risky. And he talked me into it. I had been a newspaper reporter for over 11 years and it was really hard for me to leave that job. Um, because for a long time I really did love it. And I kind of woke up one day and I was just kind of done um, mm. because I, I felt so connected to the Michigan wine industry whenever I did that stuff that whenever I'd like take a few days off to go do something for the website, um, you know, come back to work. And I just felt like I, I just wasn't feeling it anymore. And yeah. I don't like to do things halfway. You know, I don't <laughs> like to just phone it in just because I could, like I'd been doing the job so long that I could still be there now and and be doing the job, but I just, you know, I loved it so much for so long. And then it was just like, okay, I'm not feeling that spark anymore. And I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something else. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately with the licensing issue, you know, it's, it's not like you can just be like, all right, I'm going to sell wine today. Yeah. You know, there, there's so much that goes into licensing <laughs> that, that we waited a really long time. I actually had to tell my boss, um, at the newspaper who was a great guy. Yeah. Um, it is a great place. There's tons of great people there and, and there's still things I miss about it, but, um, I had to tell him that I was going to be leaving because um, we had to go before the, the township board in Shelby Township where we were opening our first location. And one of our reporters was going to be at the meeting. So I couldn't <laughs> let him find out about it that way. So like six months later, he called yeah. me in his office. like, are you still planning to leave? Uh, you know, and I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know what's happening. But yeah. it did happen finally. Um, so after we opened there, I mean, I had, I definitely had a really rocky period of adjustment because I'm like, mm -hmm. what did I do? I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I, I've never worked in service <laughs> before. You know, I mean, I worked at McDonald's in high school, but it's not the same yeah. thing. <laughs> and, um, and we thought we were going to be more like a tasting room, like in the traditional sense back then, or, you know, about 10 years ago, it was kind of like most of the tasting rooms you walked in, you tasted wine, maybe mm -hmm. you bought something and then you left. And that's what we kind of thought it was going to be. But as, as you know, from, from being at Rove, the, the tasting room model has really evolved into more of providing an experience, which, which is Absolutely. actually like really hard now with the whole pandemic is that now yep. people want experiences and we can't give them the same mm -hmm. experience. But 
So we realized pretty quickly that this is not what this was going to be. It was not going to be people walk in in Shelby Township, Michigan and try wine and then go home. They wanted a wine bar. And, yeah. and that's basically what we turned into is a, a hybrid of a tasting room and a wine bar. Um, so I had to learn pretty fast how to serve you know, like a, a server. I mean, we yeah. had table service and, and you had to hustle. And yeah. I remember when we first opened, we had like four tables and when they were full, we were like, oh my God, we're busy. And now we have yeah. a lot more tables than that. Oh, um, so so it, it was definitely a learning process. And for a while I was like so terrified every day because mm -hmm. I just was afraid that people were going to ask me things I didn't know, even though I was already um, I'd already got my introductory, introductory sommelier, um, yeah. level from the quartermaster sommeliers. And then I went on for my certified, but I still was like terrified of people like thinking I didn't know what I was talking about, even though I felt like I did, but like, yeah. you know, not in a know-it-all way, but I just felt like people were going to, I don't know. I, I yeah. Just so think like you don't know it or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. When you actually, you're like, you do it's, it's, you have yeah. to like learn this stuff and then find that confidence within yourself right, while exactly. you're doing it. So like, I Somebody brought it up to me the one day, I, I want to say it's like imposter syndrome or something where it's like, you feel like you're an imposter, but you're really not, but yeah. you feel it. And like a lot of times that's a, that's a, a female thing. I think yeah. that, that you feel like people are going to question you. And I know when people first started coming in, you know, sometimes people in our area in Metro Detroit weren't terribly familiar with Michigan wine beyond what they saw at the mm -hmm. grocery store. And unfortunately what we see at the grocery store down here, and I don't know if it's different up in the actual like wine regions, mm -hmm. but they carry only the sweetest and least expensive versions of Michigan wine because that's, mm -hmm. because that's what they think people want. And then when people yeah. go to the store, that's all they see. So they think that's all that Michigan can make. So we mm -hmm. did get a lot of like people coming in being like, wait, what Michigan reds? Or people would come in and be like, well, what are these wines rated? And I yeah. have explained to people like, well, you know, and, and now, you know, there were a bunch of wines in wine enthusiasts from Michigan. So that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. But, but at the time, first of all, wine ratings, aren't the end all be all. Um, mm -hmm. but a lot of people, they like that validity. Are. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. They want, yeah. they want their taste like validated by yeah. a, a quote unquote expert. expert. Mm -hmm. Um, so you had to explain <laughs> like, well, they're mostly focusing on wines that have widespread distribution. So they're not going to focus on wines that people can only get locally because mm -hmm. what's the point of telling someone in New York that if they can't get this wine or something that, that it's exactly. a 95, you know? So, yeah. so trying to explain that to people and trying to explain that like, just because it doesn't have a rating doesn't mean that it's bad. Mm -hmm. you know? No, absolutely. Um, well, so I think that's, that's so relatable too, is like when you are figuring out your, your business or what you're doing or even anything in life, you always have that anxiety or like, am I good enough? And I think yes. that is so relatable, especially to women and myself included. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, where do I, where do I validate myself almost and trying to yeah. navigate this and make sure I know what I'm talking about. And so you yeah. did, so you did the CMS introductory and certified. When did you yes. get that? Oh God. Well, the, the introductory I got, I want to say it was 2012 because it was the year that we were waiting for our licensing. And I was getting so mm. cranked up about the fact that we had didn't have our licensing and I didn't know mm. what was happening. I, I hate not knowing what's happening. So yeah. like this, <laughs> this time period is really driving me crazy. Mm. But, um, my husband's like, why don't you go, you know, do something to distract yourself? Like, why don't you just go study for that? You know, they have that intro exam yeah. and we knew some, some people who had, who recommended it and I'm like, fine, okay, I'll do this. And it was one of the best things I had ever done. Um, I just, just the, the two day class, the intensive class, like I, I've had a lot of customers ask me about it and yeah, it is pretty pricey, but in terms of the worth that you get out of it, I think it's a really great way to get some um, you know, you have to do a lot of self-study leading up mm -hmm. to it, but it also 
just helps kind of recap the whole wine world in a nutshell. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's, it's fun, even though, even if you're not working the floor as a, as a sommelier in a restaurant, I still think it's, it's good knowledge to have, you know, and then the certified, I just, then I felt like I needed another challenge. So, yeah, right. <laughs> so I did that and, and that was terrifying. Um, serving to masters is like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I someone would be like, very intimidated. <laughs> someone screamed an expletive in the middle of the yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't me, thankfully, but um it so. is terrifying. Oh, <laughs> but I had I had some really great mentors that helped and we had these a few friends, um, Mick Des Camps who works for Red Wagon, which is a, a wine uh, store down here, and Jerry Baker, who um was at Wolfgang Puck, he might be back there now, but he he they just were like really great with helping us study, blind tasting, all kinds of stuff. And I don't I don't think we could have done it without them. They were really great. Uh, mentors for us but and you know as much as I would love to keep going like I just I I can't see myself going on any further with that Mm. at least not now just because of the demands of the business because you know now we have the three tasting room locations and then we just opened a brewery (laughs) in the middle of a pandemic yeah (laughs) no fear now you've learned right no but you know Uh some days I feel like I feel like it's definitely up and down you know like I said my husband's completely like do 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 but I'm just like like yesterday I felt like yeah, I got this. Like yeah. life is good. I'm doing all right. Like I feel like no matter what happens with this whole pandemic thing, like we're going to figure it out. We're going to adapt, you know, we're, we're going to make it work. And then today, like it's raining and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, need wine. <laughs> yeah. Need wine. Hashtag need wine. Absolutely. So you said you opened, so you have three tasting rooms now. Yes. yes so in yep. the course from when you opened your first one, 2012, right? Yeah. And then it's only 2020 now. So in eight years, you've yeah. opened two other locations and now a brewery. That's yeah, that's yeah. pretty incredible. So <laughs> it, it must have just like taken off. Yeah. I mean, w- people were telling us there was no way that we were going to be able to have this kind of um, business in Shelby Township. Um, it's, it's in Macomb County. Um, there's you know, I grew up in Macomb County and I actually have lived in Macomb County except for college for my entire life until two weeks ago. I just moved uh, to, to Auburn Hills to Oakland County. Um, and so I'm, I'm familiar with the area and there, there's a lot of diverse population there in terms of mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of blue collar workers. There's a lot of um, different nationalities. There's all kinds. Of, it's just yeah. a, it's a great mix of people. And I don't know, for some reason, um, because it's more, you know, there's a lot of auto workers and there's a lot of a lot of people that do all different kinds of jobs. And it's not like, you know, um, like everybody's rolling in the cash, you know what yeah. I mean? There's, it's a lot of hardworking middle-class people yeah. and, and I love it. I love Macomb County. <laughs> um, and, and so people were like, you know, you're, you know, wine is for snobs. Just like I thought. Just like you thought. Yeah. yeah. They're like, wine is for snobs. You're not going to get people in Macomb County to, to appreciate this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I was kind of like, part of me is like, Oh, I hope they're not right. I mean, mm-hmm. I think like we live in Macomb County and we love wine and the people, some people we know, you know, that live here, love it. And yeah. it's, you know, it, it seemed like there was not really any kind of place like this anywhere in Macomb County. So we figured there must be, you know, when we did some research on demographics and everything. I mean, we really thought that it would work, but you know, you always have that doubt. Mm-hmm. But then the other part of me is like, watch me, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, do Thank you for the challenge. Yeah. Here I yes, go. <laughs> yes. When someone tells me I can't do something, that's like right when I'm going to make sure that I can do it. So so we did it and, and people, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's people that came in and it wasn't their thing, you know, but yeah. in ter- we have so many regulars. We have some people that come in, we're open five days, well, 
outside of the pandemic, we're yeah. five days a week. Um, and we have people sometimes that come in four days a week. We have people who have mm -hmm. met each other there who we have about 30 regulars that became friends from coming to our place and now travel together when they That's can. incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. So, like just yeah, having, so. cause you took that online community and gave it a home and yeah. another home and another home yeah. just within yeah. that span. Like that is, yeah. that's amazing to hear. Thanks. I mean, it just, I think that's my favorite part of the whole thing is, is the sense of community. But, you know, mm. I just, the seeing out, meeting all these people, these awesome people, hearing all their stories and um, getting to know them has been amazing. And then we had so many people who were actually driving over from Oakland County to Macomb County to come check us out after they heard about us. Um, and so that's when we started talking about, like, should we open an Oakland County location? And, and you know, what's funny is like back then, I, I like some days, like I said, I just feel more confident than others. But, but sometimes I think you're, you're your, own, your ignorance of like a situation makes you confident, you know? So I'm like, I'm kind of glad I didn't know everything I know now when I decided to open those other locations, because I might've just been like, you know what? I know it's just a lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and every time you start a new business, at least with us, there's always something that goes wrong and it always mm -hmm. works out. It always works out, but you know, there's always like a construction problem, a city problem, <laughs> a whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so Royal Oak was a challenge. There was a, there was a parking variance issue that's like way too long and boring to even get into, but it, <laughs> it took months and months and months to get this ironed out with the city of Royal Oak. And then, um, we started talking in, I don't know what year I actually started talking about it, but we opened in, in Auburn Hills in 2016. And at the time we were looking at Great Lakes Crossing, which is a, a big outlet mall down here. And oh, yeah. We had talked about doing just like a retail concept um, instead of a tasting room, and we decided not to go that route. But the place we were looking at fell through, and this now the person who's now the city planner, he was the assistant city planner at the time, Sean Keenan. He said, "You know, I, I know you were going to go over your Great Lakes Crossing, but I'd really like to show you this area that's downtown Auburn Hills." And my husband and I were like, "What in the hell is downtown Auburn Hills? We had never heard of downtown Auburn Hills, yeah. and you know, we lived in Macomb County, and um, <laughs> all we knew about Auburn Hills was like, you know." Great Lakes Crossing and the Palace, where they have concerts, yep. but not not anymore. Yeah, um, <laughs> not as of late. Well, it's destroyed now. It's got demolished now. Oh, um, did because they? Of, oh, I didn't know that. Of, yeah, because of Little Caesars Arena downtown. Oh, like, yeah, which is downtown, downtown Detroit. Yeah, okay. yeah, yep. yeah, like like legit downtown. So, um, so lots of fond memories of the Palace, but that was pretty much all we knew of Auburn Hills, mm -hmm. and. Um, so the planner showed us this building in downtown Auburn Hills and we absolutely fell in love. So that's where our Auburn Hills location was. And now four years later, less than four years later, we actually moved to downtown Auburn Hills two weeks ago oh, <laughs> because, we love, yeah. because we love it so much. Love the area. That's funny <laughs> yeah. how life works out. It always yeah. does that yeah. way. But. I feel like it was meant to be. It's so, it's so cheesy, but like, I feel like I was meant to meet the city planner. He's just a great guy. And I just feel mm -hmm. like really lucky that we met him because I would not be living here and probably wouldn't have my business yeah. here right now. And that's how the brewery came to be here as well. Yeah. I was so. going to ask you about that. Cause the, I, I saw it in your message and it's called, yeah. what is it? Blue, blue skies, blue skies. Blue yeah. skies brewery. So, so we're not the owners. We're the managing partners, mm -hmm. but um, one of our partner wineries, Chateau Aeronautique, the owner mm -hmm. Lorenzo, he is the most eclectic, quirky, awesome guy in the world. <laughs> he, so he had the winery Chateau Aeronautique and he actually opened around the time when we started the blog originally. And um, so we kind of, I, like for lack of a better term, like he kind of, we kind of grew up together in terms yeah. of like his winery became bigger and we became 
more, uh, doing more things. And um, so when we opened our first tasting room, he was definitely one of the first people we approached to be a partner winery. And he's actually the only winery that is at all three of our locations, the partner winery. We have some mm -hmm. different wineries in each location. And we started traveling with him and everything because he loves to travel, obviously, mm -hmm. as a pilot. And we started doing wine trips with him to get more educated on like different wine regions throughout the world. So cool. And it's so, it's really fun. He's, he's just a total trip and he's like the best <laughs> storyteller ever. Um, he knows how to entertain you for sure. But he started talking about doing a brewery. We were actually in Bordeaux <laughs> when he started talking about doing this brewery. And Today? that's when, no. <laughs> yeah, we all started talking about the name and he came up with Blue Skies. And then little did I know that he was going to talk my husband later into to doing this okay. satellite tap room. And my husband's like, you know, uh, Lorenzo has all this excess brewing capacity and um, he wants to know if we want to help him open a satellite tap room. And I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I got my hands full. Like we started with mm -hmm. my husband and myself. Um, we now have 40 employees, which I never, wow. I never dreamed of having that. I don't really, that's the one part I really don't enjoy about my job is yeah. being someone's boss. I don't like telling people what to do. I, yeah. Being a reporter, I'm used to being an independent worker. You know, yeah. I do my work, I turn it in mm -hmm. and then I move on to the next thing. Um, so, I mean, I love our team. I love our team, yeah. but I hate having to tell them what to do because I don't like being bossy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the term bossy or being yes. authority. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, we're just working. We're doing our thing. But right, right. I get that. I mean, it's just, it just feels odd to be like somebody's boss still mm -hmm. all, after all this time. But, um, so, so my, my husband's pitching this idea about me. I'm like, no, no, I don't know. I don't want any more projects, but it doesn't take long to bring me on board with an idea. And, and like yeah. I said, it's always a challenge. Like if someone gives me a challenge and I feel like I got to take it. So, and right. I have a, I have a bad habit of overcommitting myself too. So, yeah. <laughs> so my husband talked me into it. And my first, my first thought was, no, we have too much going on. My second thought was I'm not a huge beer drinker. I'm a wine drinker. And mm -hmm. it's not that I dislike beer, but whenever there's beer and wine and I can pick, I'm going to pick wine. So I was nervous because I don't want to do anything halfway. So, right. you know, I, I was like, but we don't know that much about beer. And he's like, well, first of all, we can learn. And mm -hmm. second of all, um, you know, we know hospitality, so we can do this. So he talked to me into it. Little did I know, you know, there were going to be, a, there were a bunch of construction issues, all kinds of, <laughs> you know, the usual. Yeah. Uh, so, so we are going to be opening um, well, I took the, I also took the sister own beer server training, okay. but it feels like so long ago. I feel like I need to take it over at this yeah. point, but, but, um, and I don't have a ton of practical experience drinking beer because mm -hmm. I'm usually drinking wine. So I'm trying to get more into trying all different beers so I can, t I want right. to be able to talk knowledgeably. Mm -hmm. Um, but luckily we have some really great craft beer guys on our staff who know mm -hmm. a ton. So they're, they're getting us up to speed and everything. Mm -hmm. But, um, so we were supposed to open in mid April, but of course, Yep. Everything that happened. So, <laughs> so happen. on May 7th was the day that construction restarted in Michigan and mm -hmm. the city of Auburn Hills, the only thing we were waiting on was their sign off on the final fire permit, like a fire inspection mm -hmm. and the building inspection. And they are just amazing. Um, they've been so supportive to us and they wanted a brewery mm -hmm. down here for so long. They were <laughs> like, okay, the second the governor says it's okay for us to come out there, we will be out we'll there. The morning oh. of May 7th, they came and signed off on all our stuff. We had our certificate of occupancy at 4.15. We were only oh, open cool. till 6, but the yeah. phone was ringing off the hook. We were running outside taking orders, like, from the cars. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, opening a business in the middle of a pandemic is one thing, yeah. but to have all that support is, like, so cool. It's so good to hear. I was so grateful. I mean, because yeah. I always say that it's kind of like – um when you have a party and you invite all these people and they tell you they're going to come, but you don't really know if they're going to show up. And then like when you flip the open sign on and you post on Facebook, like, okay, mm -hmm. we're open. And you're like sitting there waiting. You're like, 
please let somebody show up. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then all of a sudden the phone starts ringing and you're like, okay, yeah. all right, they're coming. <laughs> oh, what a so, rewarding yeah. feeling. Oh, that's, <laughs> that is so cool. I did have a question because we did touch on things like the daily things that we go through in our mind, our mental health and everything with anxiety, or I don't think I can do it. Or, um, like, did you have any major like struggles like that? And what helped you? What, what was like the factor? Did you have a mantra? Did you have anything that you said, like, um, you know, I can do this, I am going to get through this, or was it just always up and down? Yeah, I mean, I can, uh, I can definitely say that I am not the, uh, the pinnacle of awesome mental health. I gotta be honest, Gosh. because, um, for, for, we love honesty <laughs> <laughs> for a long time, I've struggled with really severe seasonal depression. Mm. And, um, so you can imagine that this is really, I love Michigan and I love Michigan wine and I love my business, but it is mm. very difficult. It gets harder every year. Um, and this year, you know, coasting out of the winter into a pandemic was, was definitely a really big struggle. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of, um, there was a lot of crying, like right when this first happened of like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously this is something that affects all human beings and it's not just me. And, but it was hard not to feel like personally, um, like, like the universe headed out for you or something like, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm sure a lot of people felt this way, especially people who own small businesses, like, um, just how can I have worked all this time to, to accomplish this. And I had, I felt like we had so much momentum, you know, I felt like mm-hmm. we were just growing and getting better every month, getting better every year and just constantly trying to improve ourselves. And, and, you know, I just was so devastated at the beginning, just thinking like not knowing what was going to happen, you know, um, and just feeling like, I can't believe that you can go through all this to work you know, I mean, we've been through, there was a fire next door to our building. We've done that. I mean, like there's all kinds of stuff that we've gone through, like, you know, licensing challenges, just all kinds of stuff over the years that you think, okay, that was the worst thing that I'm going to see, you know? And then you're like, you don't, you don't even know what you're talking about. But, um, you know, after you, like, (laughs) there was a lot of drinking and Tiger King at the beginning (laughs) of quarantine. Um, and then like one day I woke up, I said, this sounds absolutely ridiculous, but one day I woke up and one of our regulars, Megan, her daughter, Myla was turning five and she couldn't have a real birthday party. So they were doing one of those drive-by birthday parties and her, she and her boyfriend invited me to come. And I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> and you know, I printed out unicorn posters and put Aww. them on my car and I drove out there and they had like the police come by with their sirens and everything. And I was sitting in my car crying and I'm like, I just was like, I don't know why, but that was just like, and Milo was there just happy as can be five years yeah. old, like having her birthday in quarantine. And she's just so excited that people are here, <laughs> here. And it just, I just was like, I can't be mad and frustrated anymore. I mean, there's not even anyone to be mad yeah. at, you know, and it's just, it's, but it's you feel it, it, you know? It, yeah. You feel bad. And, and sometimes I think it's hard because you don't know, you can't be mad at someone. Like you can't mm-hmm. blame it on someone in particular or something. So it's like, almost makes it harder. <laughs> yeah. You, you have nowhere to direct this, this mm-hmm. anger of just like, of feeling like someone took this, all these things you worked for away from you. And I just, I, that day I just was like, you know what? I just can't be mad anymore. And I can't be frustrated. It's like adapt or die. You have yeah. to start focusing on what you can do. So I was like, I, I've got to get back to doing what I'm meant to be doing because, um, sitting around, you know, pickling my liver isn't, I mean, yeah. it's not that, not that I'm not now. <laughs> But I love it, that. Like, there's a difference between like happy pickling of your liver, I think, mm-hmm. and like and like drowning your sorrows pickling your liver. Yeah, yep. yeah. Joy, joyful it's a fine wine. line. 
Yeah. Joyful wine drinking. And like, I'm going to drink this whole bottle because I just like, don't want to be here right now. It's like, you feel completely different in the morning when you do that. But, um, I I would wake up and be like, Oh my God. And then I'd wake up and be like, is this for real? Is this really happening? You know? But in general, I mean, I'm just so blown away by how generous everybody has been. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, a, a lot of people I know are having hard times and they're still coming out and buying wine. I mean, I think wine is yeah. more essential than ever, you know, but I just hope, more, I hope everybody's joyful drinking and not Absolutely. <laughs> sorrow well. drinking. But, but in terms of like, I know you said a mantra and everything, like mm-hmm. I definitely, um, I don't think I would still be here if it, in general, if it weren't for the yoga studio that I've been going to for, for over 10 mm-hmm. years. And, um, and that was one of the most devastating things to me um, as someone who has had a lot of struggles with depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and just like perfectionism. You know, mm-hmm. I've always, I, I always want to just, if I feel like I didn't do the best job I could do, I, I really like flog myself over it. And so there's okay. a lot of like self-imposed pressure. So, you know, I started doing yoga about uh, more than 10 years ago. And, um, that, that yoga studio, Santosha Yoga in Chesterfield, Michigan, it's amazing. The owner, Teresa, has an amazing story and she's just so supportive. The teachers there are amazing. So that was one of the most devastating things for me when, um, I know on a personal level, when we couldn't mm-hmm. go to yoga anymore. Um, so just simple things like, like I've always found mantras to be very, um, effective for me just because I do have kind of that like looping sort of brain where I'll get stuck on an mm-hmm. idea. So I can also sometimes use that to, my benefit as well to kind of, you know, try to reinforce thoughts. So, you know, even something as simple as like this too shall pass. Like I, that's what yeah. I put on, you know, everybody's doing those rainbows over Michigan and mm-hmm. I didn't have like paint or anything. So I just printed out on my computer hearts and I wrote on them, this too shall pass. I know my, my yoga teacher, Teresa, she's been saying in class a lot, like, this is how it is for now, you know, and like mm-hmm. nothing, nothing is permanent. Like no, no happiness is permanent and no sadness is permanent. No situation is permanent. And so I just try to keep remembering that because a lot of times, like in the darkest moments of this whole thing, it just seems like this is never going to end, but yeah. I, you know, you know, it will, you know, cause, cause I do remember too. I mean, obviously this is, this was a minor situation compared to the pandemic, but, but so when there was the fire that I mentioned, yeah. um, it was next door to our Shelby location. And, and luckily we didn't suffer a ton of fire damage, but we suffered a lot of smoke damage. And mm-hmm. I was really naive about the extent of what smoke damage did. And, um, it turned out, you know, I was like, Oh, we'll be open by the weekend. We'll just put some fans in here. It'll be good. You know, no, that's not really how smoke damage works. It gets into everything. Luckily it didn't get into the wine. Yes. Wine <laughs> always got, prevails. Yeah, <laughs> got into the drywall, you know, everything. Oh, geez. Um, yeah. That's so right. everything, it smelled horrible. It smelled like a chemical oh, fire in there. Um, and so, you know, I remember, Oh, and the firefighters, like, obviously they had to get to the fire. So they cut mm-hmm. a huge hole in the roof. So then mm-hmm. after that, of course, it rained for like a week straight. So <laughs> I remember walking into the Shelby location and the yeah. Shelby location is my baby, you know, like yeah. that's where I, I, I work the most. Flagship. Yeah. I know all the regulars. It's our smallest location, but it's like, it's, it's just, I just love it, you know? And I walked in there and I could hear drip, drip, drip from all over as it was coming through the ceiling and warping the floors. And I just sat there and cried. And I was thinking like, <laughs> this is never going to be okay. You know, this is never going to get better. And then it's like, now I don't think about the fire at all. <laughs> so, so, so I'm hoping that like in a few years, we just don't, don't even, even think about have to think about this anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to take a little bit longer than the fire to, to get through this one. To but, get through. No, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's changed so much in perspective, but like tapping into creativity and you just almost have to like stop a, because they're forced to, and then 
reassess and then, you know, figure, figure it out, which is kind of what you sound like you did. Like you had, you had, you know, you have that moment. I know as for me, whenever I get upset, I like, I have to have my moment and, yeah. then, I it, and then it's like, okay, I'm on to the next thing. Like, let's yes. go. like you have exactly. to like, take that pause. That sounds exactly like me. Like my, my husband just in, in t- takes everything in and is just kind of like, whatever, mm-hmm. but I have to throw my little hissy fit <laughs> yeah. and like readjust. Like, cause I have, I, I think so far ahead from being an overthinker and being like so mm-hmm. anxious is that I picture how everything's going to be. And then if something derails what I imagine it's going to be, then I just need that moment to like yeah. readapt. Like I will adapt eventually, but I just need a second, you know, yeah. I, I need, I need to be vent my frustration that <laughs> things are not going to go as I planned. And mm-hmm. then, then we fix it and move on. You know, I'm glad I'm not alone in this. <laughs> no, it sounds just like me speaking <laughs> into a mirror right now. For yeah. sure. That's amazing. So it's good that you've got things like yoga and things to kind of bring you back down to earth and just kind of, you know, do something for yourself. And, and that's something that I've noticed too. And these are the kind of questions that I always want to ask women because it's like, that's what I can relate to. Like with wine, it's, it's a lot about living in excess. It's an, it's an extra, you know, and there's so many people who get into the, into the industry and, you know, you have your shifty every day and you might find that, and you have to have like these self-disciplines and these boundaries, whether it be like running or yoga, or, you know, I'm only going to drink on the weekends because, um, that's really important too. I think within the industry is like finding that balance. And I didn't know if you have like any other like tips or things that you like to do to, you know, keep yourself in check. Yeah. You know, I, I am, it's, I'm a terrible example because I am one of these people who's kind of like all or nothing. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's sort of like, if, if I want to like not drink for a while, then mm-hmm. I pretty much will go like a long period because one, but, like, yeah. Cause like, I'm just not, and I'm the same way with food. I mean, my husband mm-hmm. and I are both like love to eat and we mm-hmm. both have struggled with like weight our whole lives and, and just kind of like, we'll go in stints of like, we'll be super, super good. And then we'll like fall yeah. off the wagon hardcore. So, so, you know, the, the one thing I definitely have to do because like today it was raining and I used to have a treadmill at my house. Well, I live, I downsize, so I don't have a treadmill anymore. So I was like, well, I'm not going to run outside when it's 30 and rainy. So yeah. I didn't, I, and I was like, well, maybe I'll do like some cardio. I'll do some Zumba downstairs and like whatever. Well, then I started doing work and I didn't do it. And so I know that's why I like my mental health suffered today was because mm-hmm. I didn't do my cardio. And so I always try to like you mentioned running, I try to run. Um, I actually had decided before the pandemic that I was maybe going to give up running because I felt like I was just like flogging myself to do it and I wasn't really mm-hmm. loving it anymore. But now with the pandemic and I can't go to the gym, which I miss and I used to spin mm-hmm. and I miss that, mm-hmm. that I've actually been running more than ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, when I, so when I moved to downtown Auburn Hills, there's a park right next door and also a park down mm-hmm. the street. And I think that has really helped me from a mental health standpoint, being able to go out and be in nature um, and just like take those little breaks where it's like, okay, I have a lot of computer work to do and I'm not going to be like, go out and hang out for hours, but I'm just going to walk to the park. I'm going to like go see the ducks. I'm going to give them some corn. I'm going to like, you know, walk around and then I'm going to go back and finish my work so that I don't feel like I was sitting at a computer for like six hours with no break, you know? Yeah. And then just doing that, that running in the morning, like I was telling my husband the other day, um, it was, it was like a beautiful day and there wasn't a cloud in the sky and it was sunny and I ran down to the park down the street and there were all these birds and the sunshine on the water. And I was like sitting there, I'm like, 
I feel really happy again, you know, and, yeah. and I, I felt like I was not going to feel happy again for a really long time because of everything that's happened. And I was just like, I was just so grateful to feel that feeling, you know, you know, even mm-hmm. though, I mean, it, sometimes it doesn't last the whole day because, no. you know, stuff's hard. That right runner's now. high and everything, yeah. that exercise, yeah. it does, it just, it, it gives you that little lift that sometimes you need. So yes. Yeah. It, it, I really need to get like my crazy out in the morning mm-hmm. and just need to do it. I need to do it before I have coffee, before I have breakfast, <laughs> I need to go run because I always feel better when I do or go do some kind of aerobics or do something. Um, I'd really miss spinning. Um, I used to have a spin bike, but I sold it because <laughs> my, my husband's really into minimalism and he like got me onto this mindset and there was a whole thing about access versus ownership. And I'm like, well, there's never a time that I'm not going to be able to go to the gym. <laughs> oh, and like probably just before this all happened. <laughs> right. 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 So I, Sold my treadmill, I sold my bike, you know, and I'm like, well, at least I have hand weights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we live, we live on the trails here, so that's a nice thing. Um, which we didn't have at our old house, so I do have a regular bike. So as soon as the weather improves a little, I love kayaking too. That's another one. Um, and I live right on the river now, so the the hard part is that kayaking is really a two person sport. In case you run into something on the water, so it's hard with the current situation, but. Um, but kayaking is, if anybody's looking for a way to really get back to nature while doing something like semi-athletic, it's a really good way to, to really zone out and be peaceful and you see lots of great wildlife and everything. So I definitely recommend that. I have any, just quick, any advice that you would give to any like woman wanting to go into the industry? Like, have you had any struggles or what being a woman, or do you think there's advantages to it? I mean, I'm sure there's advantages. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to get your insight on that. You know, I've, I've actually read that, that women are better tasters. I don't know if that's true, but I've seen that too. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to say it's true. No, <laughs> I'd like to think it's true. Yeah. I don't really know, but, um, but you know, I, I think that, um, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but I think that, that one of the advantages of being a woman in business is a lot of times women are more, um, you know, intuitive or they can read people better sometimes, um, or they're more tuned in to people's emotions and everything. Um, and sometimes I think they're more concerned with other people's um, emotions, sometimes to their detriment, you know, it's like sometimes like way too concerned about what other people think, but that can also play in your favor a little bit in that I think it helps you read your customers a little better about like, how are they feeling? Are they feeling comfortable? Are they feeling intimidated? Are they feeling, um, you know, like trying to pick up on that vibe of what do they need? Do they want to be left alone? Do they want to be more, um, do they want to learn? Do they want you to like tell them a bunch of stuff or do they just want you to go away so they can drink, you know? (laughs) Uh, And like trying to sell, I think, um, I think a lot of times, like my husband has a a really strong background in sales. And so for him, it's not, um, it's not nerve wracking at all to try and ask for the sale. And so that was something I really had to learn when we first opened is, is how to ask for the sale without being, without sounding awkward, without sounding pushy and with everybody leaving the conversation feeling okay. Like if I ask someone like, would you like to take some wine home with you? And they say, no, thanks. I'm like, okay, great. You know, well, hope you had a good time, you know, but at the beginning I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I can ask people to like buy wine. And my husband's like, you ha- you have to like, <laughs> and like, that's what we do. Yeah. That's how we're going to stay alive. And and you find that like there's there's that fine line between being like annoyingly salesy and being like, well, this is my livelihood and you are more than welcome to not buy wine, but I'm going to ask you if you want to buy wine because, and a lot of times you find like you start developing all these relationships 
which I think a lot of women are, are, are good at. Right at. I mean, that's not what, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a generalization, but, and you start learning like what people like and, and, um, what kind of things they enjoy. And then it starts, you know, I, unfortunately I have terrible memory, so I have to keep a lot of notes, but if you start remember, like remembering what people like, then when something comes in, you say, Hey, you know, Jane, I know you really liked this, uh, this sparkling wine here. And I have one that's, you know, has some similar flavor profile. Maybe you'd like to, you know, try this one too. But but I think that a lot of times women can really read people, you know, if, if that makes sense. Like you said, that in, like, like that intuition. Yeah. An emotional intelligence. It is, I think, kind of built into our DNA. Like in yeah. that genuinity, like it makes the world of difference when you're working yeah. somewhere. So yeah. Like legitimately caring, not just asking because mm-hmm. you feel like you have to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? So well, that's cool. Well, so any, any advice to anyone who is looking to get into the wine industry in any way, shape, form? I would say definitely do the, do the Court of Master Sommelier's intro level. Yeah. Because um, it takes a lot of self-study, as you as you know, um, but um, you don't have to be on a restaurant floor to do it. Um, and I think it gives you a really good perspective on the entire world of wine. Um, and then in terms of other things, I would say find a mentor. Uh, you know, find somebody who is, has experience in the industry. If you're looking to, um, you know, get into winemaking, find a winemaker that you respect, that you can maybe follow or, you know, shadow or apprentice or something. You know, if you want to work in the tasting room, like ask if you can, you know, shadow somebody, that sort of thing. I mean, I think it's really good to shadow people in their jobs to see if it's like everything you dreamed it would be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, you know, just, just finding mentors and people who can share their knowledge. And, and I think it's really important to find a mentor who, who knows a lot, but who doesn't think they know everything. Because I think that humility. That, I think that the people who who know a lot of stuff, but they are willing to admit that they don't know everything and that they're always learning, I think those are the best kind of people to to follow and mentor mentor from. You know. Cool. I love that. That's per. <laughs> that's a perfect answer. Honestly, that's, <laughs> well, I'm thanks. like yes. <laughs> Can yes. you tell me what you're drinking? <laughs> yes, and I'm actually going to pour myself some more right here. <laughs> um, so I am drinking, and I did not pick this to suck up because I know you work at Rove, but um, this is my current go-to. I, I am definitely a very, like, um, as I mentioned, like, looping person where I get, I get set on, like, one idea or one thought. And I, so I go in, in stints on, on what I'm drinking and I'll get like really hooked on one wine and I'll drink it for like straight for a week. And then I'll be like on to the next thing. But my current jam, I guess my husband hates that expression. I'm not millennial enough to really be using it, but, um, but the 2019 Brute Sparkling from Rova State, that's what I'm drinking right now. It's like a green apple in a glass and it's just bubbly goodness. It's, it's refreshing. It's festive. And, and, you know, I have so many people who come into our tasting room who tell me that they only drink bubbly on like New Year's Eve. And that just depresses the hell out of me because I'm like, you could be drinking bubbly every night. All the time. I know. I know. That is, that's a huge thing. Make it accessible. I mean, it it. is accessible and there are amazing sparkling wines made everywhere. You don't just have to get like the really expensive stuff and it's so good. So, right. I I mean, there's, there's so much, there, there's just so much great sparkling wine in Michigan. And every time a new one comes out, I'm just, I'm all over it. <laughs> so Good to hear. No, that's yeah, awesome. So I'm glad wine. you like it. <laughs> yes. And I joked with Mackenzie. I, I said, this is a, this 750 milliliter is a single serving, right? Because, yeah. because actually uh, towards the beginning of quarantine, I polished off more than 
more than a few of these bottles, not on the same <laughs> night, but I mean, like I would drink yeah. like a whole bottle on one night and then I'd mm-hmm. wake up the next morning. But I always felt fine when I woke up the next morning yeah. after drinking this one. So we were joking about that. Like, well, it's single serving. Yeah, <laughs> it's a single serving. Bottle. I'm not saying I, I just so. shouldn't recommend that. No. But sometimes <laughs> when it's that delicious, you know, you yeah. got to, you got to. Oh, it's cool. it's kind of dangerous because it's so, mm-hmm. it's so refreshing and it goes down so easily and it's just, mm-hmm. it's just so fun. You know, it's just, um, I just love sparkling wine because it, it, it just has that festive vibe to it. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it just makes any day feel like a celebration, I guess. It sounds corny. That. No, <laughs> but it's, it's the tiny celebrations I think that make, you know, life so much happier. We're, where do you think um, Michigan wine is going? Like, where's the future of Michigan wine? Oh, that's a good question. I think um, I think there's nowhere to go but off. I think when, when we first started our website, um, there was a master psalm named Claudia Tiagi, who is still in the Detroit area. She's awesome. And she mm-hmm. mentioned that when she first started getting into wine, California was looked at with, you know, skepticism. People were like, what Mm -hmm. California makes wine and you know that's how (laughs) like years ago people looked at Michigan like what Michigan makes wine and I think a lot of people outside of Michigan still say that but I think you know she was really into Michigan wine and she got us really excited about it she was always working on things like the Michigan wine showcase down in Detroit and everything and and Mm -hmm. she was always saying like you know well this this is what people said about California and look where California is now and and I think with Mm -hmm. the coordinated efforts from the Michigan uh, wineries, you know, like with the uh, Travers Coast wineries, um, mm-hmm. trying to get on the radar of wine enthusiasts, and then and getting a lot of attention from wine enthusiasts. I, yeah. I think it's it's only going up from here. And I also think that we have a lot of winemakers who are experimenting. We have a lot of winemakers that are, um, you know, really dedicated to um, dry reds, to different styles. You know, I think people are trying so many different things and people are being innovative Mm -hmm. and different packaging methods and, you know, like whether it's cans or, you know, and I know people have, there's different, you know, perceptions of cans, but I think, I think with people in Michigan, they have a very like active lifestyle in terms of outdoors and stuff Mm -hmm. in the summer. And so, you know, I think there's a place for everything. But uh, I think there's, I think it's only going to be going up from here. You know, I, I really think that the, the people who are in the industry um, are really committed to continuing to improve their product and really find new things. And I think the interesting thing about being in a new world wine region and an emerging wine region is that when you look at uh, the old world countries, you know, they're very set in their ways, which can be good and bad. You know, like um, if you go to France, mm-hmm. the regions are only growing certain grapes in certain regions. And they say it's because, well, that's what grows well there, you know? And, and yeah, there's a certain, mm-hmm. you know, uh, logic to that. Why, why keep punishing yourself and growing grapes that don't want to be grown there and that don't, right. don't ripen and whatever. I mean, in Michigan, we're, we're yeah. constantly punishing ourselves because the, the, we- yeah. the weather is ridiculous and you don't know what you're going to get. You might, be, yep. you know, it was the, it was like, snowing here in Metro Detroit two days ago and it's going to be 80 this weekend. So I, whatever. I think yep. we're used to that. But, um, but you know, I, th- I think the cool thing about it being in a new world region is that there is so much experimentation. So it's like, people aren't afraid mm-hmm. to be like, all right, well, let's try this. Let's try this. And yep. you know, um, I just give all the credit in the world to the people who actually manage vineyards because I don't, you know, with all the, with all the anxiety I have about regular life, like I can't imagine worrying about <laughs> things that I cannot control. You know, I saw a lot of yeah. the Southwest wineries were having to run wind machines and bonfires in the vineyard this week because of the frost. And I just, I don't mm-hmm. think I could handle that kind of uncertainty and be responsible for the grapes and everything. But, but these people are fearless, mm-hmm. you know, they just keep going and they're willing to experiment, try different grapes, try different try. styles. And um, so I think that only can mean good things going forward. 
Um, my fire round question. So just kind yes. of whatever, whatever comes to your brain. Oh but God. Okay. <laughs> first, where is like your number one wine destination that you want to go to, or that you're like dying to go back to like a place that you're completely in love with besides Michigan. I'm going to say outside right. Michigan because you're right, right. a Michigan wine advocate. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I would have to say Michigan, but I'm here all the time. So mm-hmm. in terms of traveling, I love to travel. Um, and just on a really quick side note, I know it's supposed to be the fire round, but, um, I, I didn't fly for 10 years because I really hate flying. And, uh, mm-hmm. actually Lorenzo, the partner at the brewery, who's the pilot actually was the one who got me to fly again. And now I still am not a huge fan of flying, but I am addicted to travel. So we've gone with Lorenzo. We've gone to Champagne, Bordeaux, Burgundy, and then we went to Piedmont and Tuscany, Italy. And we were supposed to go to Spain, um, this April, but it had already gotten derailed by the delays on the brewery. So I'd gotten that disappointment out of the way, like early on in the year. So before like the, all the quarantine disappointments set on all at once, I had already gotten over that. So, you know, um, but yeah, so Spain, I definitely like to go to, I went in high school, but we weren't allowed to drink because even though you could drink in Spain, the teachers wouldn't let us drink, which I understand as an adult now, but as a teenager, I was pretty pissed off. Yep. (laughs) I want to drink sangria, yeah. um, but uh, but you know I'd love to go as an adult now with an appreciation for for wine globally to be able to go back to Spain and see it from that perspective. So if I had to go back to somewhere, I would say Italy. Um, Italy. Um, I I went there again last year um, later in the year on a non like wine focused trip, and we we still drink a ton of wine. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but when we went with Lorenzo, we we traveled throughout uh, Tuscany and Piedmont, and it was just it was we were constantly looking out the window and just saying, wow, wow, wow. Like, and, mm-hmm. and the funny thing is my husband's in love with Nebbiolo. Um, so he loves Barbaresco and, um, you know, that sort of thing. But, but I, um, I love Barbera and Dolcetto. So it was like, there was something for, for all of us there. And Everywhere. it was great. Yeah. And the hospitality there is just, is just amazing. So, so I definitely mm-hmm. love to go back to Italy again. <laughs> Italy, but I want to go Italy, to Spain first. Oh, always a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this one's a fun one. So, um, what is like your guilty pleasure? Is it like a food or trash TV <laughs> or you know? I always love this question because everyone's got one. But oh, my guilty pleasure. Um, well, at the beginning of quarantine, it definitely was Tiger King. Um, and and since I was kind of in my angry, like, why does the world have to suck so much phase? I was like really drunkenly posting about Tiger King a lot. Like, so I really like Tiger King and Tiger King memes were like my life for the first two weeks of quarantine. I kind of had this like weird nostalgia for the beginning of quarantine because it was like, Mm -hmm. it was like now I'm, I mean, like things are still crazy, but you kind of like are used to how things are and you've kind of adapted and like, I'm working my butt off trying to like keep everything good. And so like at the beginning of quarantine, like I wasn't, I feel like I wasn't trying as hard. So I was just like drinking Mm -hmm. and like watching Tiger King. It was like, it was called that the emo stage of quarantine. Like we get through it, but we had it. Right. Right. Like, like that, that couldn't have lasted forever for sure. Or, you know, that wouldn't have been very productive, but, but it was kind of like, ah, that was, that was kind of like weirdly fun (laughs) that's hilarious oh that's a perfect answer that's a good guilty pleasure (laughs) what like wine are you super into right now uh like region varietal or even like a specific wine whether you know I know you mentioned your love bubbles are you still in that bubble phase are you like I'm getting ready like rosé season or like Sauvignon Blancs in summer. Like where, where is your head going with a wine loves? Yeah. I mean, I hate to be cliche, but I'm definitely a seasonal wine drinker. So I'm, I'm mostly a, a, I'm like a dry red 
and uh, all equal opportunity bubbly lover. But as soon mm -hmm. as it starts getting warm out, I definitely start getting that itch for the rosé. Um, and we at our Shelby and Royal Oak locations were partnered with Berterra and they got their, we were supposed to have this like big event and you know, that, that. so we did, yep. <laughs> so they let us release their rosés early. Um, so oh, cool. we got to try all the rosés and then we did like a virtual event. Um, and I was drinking that, that was like my jam for a while at the beginning of quarantine oh, too, yeah. like drinking the rosé and Merlot, uh, from Berterra mm -hmm. and just, and then the Rove, new Rove came in and the Pinot Noir rosé. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've been drinking a lot of rosé. Um, and I think I've actually gone back to a little bit more whites than I was before, mostly because we're doing these tastings with the winemakers. So I'm drinking them through with the virtuals mm -hmm. and I'm like, this is really hitting the spot right now, you know, cause like, I feel like I default mm -hmm. to red. So I think it's mm -hmm. been kind of good to be doing this during quarantine and kind of revisiting some old favorites, reacquainting myself with some styles that I haven't had in a while. I've always loved Riesling. Um, and mm -hmm. it always breaks my heart when people come in and say, well, Riesling is too sweet for me because a lot of people are only familiar with late harvest Riesling. Yeah. Like, All right, we're going to get you to try the dry Riesling, semi-dry Riesling. We're going to try Riesling bubbly, you know, like I, I, mm -hmm. it makes me so sad when people write off Riesling because they don't like late yeah. harvest because there's way more than late harvest in the world. So, so yeah, that's a long Absolutely. way to, long way to say I'm drinking a lot of bubbly and rosé. Someone has not tried any Michigan wine before. What would say, or what varieties would you say to try for a red and a white? A red and a white. Okay. Do I only get to pick one mm -hmm. of each? Yes. I'm going to make <laughs> it hard. I'm going to make it hard. Okay. Um, well, for whites, I have to say Riesling. I think Michigan does Riesling well, but try a dry Riesling because I, I just cool. think people get stuck in that late harvest like rut. And I, I think people should drink what they like. I mean, I, I don't think that people, I think sometimes people shame people for liking sweet wines and I'm not saying that mm -hmm. at all, but, but I think people should drink what they like, but still be adventurous because when I first started drinking wine, I only drank late harvest Riesling. If I would have never branched mm -hmm. out from that, I'd still only be drinking late harvest Riesling. I'd be missing all these yeah. other amazing wines. And I think a lot of people, you know, don't try dry Rieslings and they don't realize just how versatile the scrape is. So I would say mm -hmm. Riesling, but in a dry style. Um, and then for red, uh, I guess I would have to say, I'd have to say Blafrankish. You gotta, you gotta go Blafrankish. Lemberger. <laughs> I think Lemberger. it scares people off because the name is either like Blafrankish mm -hmm. sounds so intimidating and Lemberger sounds like the cheese that nobody likes. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like people avoid it, but it's awesome. And it does yeah. really well here. It has like the great spice characteristic to it. Um, and I think there's a lot of wineries in Michigan doing it really well, including Left Foot Charlie. Like you mentioned, Left Foot Charlie yeah, makes absolutely. some amazing blah frankish. Um, so mm -hmm. I really think that people are doing themselves a disservice if they avoid it just because the name is kind of funky. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think you answered those questions perfectly. Um, so just one more. Where do we find you? Instagram, social media. I know you said the website. Yeah, I pretty much live on my computer, <laughs> it feels like. So um, so when, I, when people tell me that they aren't on Facebook, I'm kind of like, your life may be better for it or not. I don't know. It's like kind of polarizing. <laughs> but um, but like I said, we wouldn't exist without Facebook and social media. So mm -hmm. so it is. it can be a drain on your brain sometimes to be so active on social, but at the same time, it's, it's great to be so connected. So I am all over social. Um, for mm -hmm. our tasting rooms, we have a separate page for each of the tasting rooms, which are uh, MBTB Tasting, MBTB Auburn, MBTB on Woodward. Those are the Facebook pages. For Instagram, mm -hmm. for the tasting room, it's just MBTV tasting. I just have the one for all three because I can't handle it yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> three and then um, for our main website that promotes the entire Michigan wine industry, it's facebook.com slash mish by the bottle. The website's michiganbythebottle.com. 
and cool. the Instagram, which we don't really use that much because I'm so active on the other Instagram is at Mish by the bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have mentioned to our website for the tasting room is mbtbtasting.com. So mbtb okay. is in Michigan by the bottle. And then for the brewery. <laughs> yes. Blue, include that. Cause I'm yeah. going to look at that too. Blueskiesauburn.com is the website. And the social is Blue Skies Auburn for Facebook and Instagram. So, <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having just, me. You know, telling us your story <laughs> and just like being so real. That's like the best part about all of this is, is having that. Thank you for everyone who listened today. All the show notes and links will be posted on the website. And please subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time. Cheers. <laughs>